This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Soyuz Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined by Mawira Karatai in Fokotani. Kia ora, Mawira. Kia ora, Sam. How goes it today? Good, good. I'm writing today about the impact or what we can learn from the COVID experience for the shared economy. Oh, that's exciting. It's a paper you're co-authoring, so I'm just going to do the, oh. the structure and you'll fill in the detail. Fantastic. I like the sound of that. And it means Pass we don't... It means we don't get to go to a conference in Norway. Ah, but we get to talk to some people there. Exactly. Okay. And who are you introducing today? Um, well, today I've got a bit of a fangirl thing going on. I have to say I'm not going to be embarrassed about it. But we have got the very, very amazing Mr. Tom Sainsbury with us today. Um, some of you may know him from his new show, Sextortion, which is incredibly well-timed, <laughs> given our political landscape at the moment. Um, but also his amazing um, little YouTube clips that appear all over social media, which just have provided hours of entertainment in our household. Um, and, um, and all sorts of other TV shows, but I'll leave Tom to talk about that. But Tom, welcome, and thank you so much for giving up your precious time to be with us today. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. So, Tom, I'm how... also interested a bit. Yes, sorry. How I'll launch has... in and ask you a question, but you, you asked me first. You remember that question. <laughs> how has your bubble life gone? Um, the first time, well, it's... It, came at quite good timing for me, strangely. I was kind of quite stressed out and there was quite a few projects coming up that were kind of um, clashing with each other and there was quite a bit of anxiety about making it all fit. And then it was all just taken out of my hands. I didn't need to make it fit because everything was cancelled. So, Are you saying it was so your there fault? Was relief. I'm saying maybe I willed it. Maybe <laughs> I willed this into existence. And then the second time round, something, like, um, something similar was happening and... I willed it, so I I'm apologise to everyone, but I will I willed this into existence. So you've been working from home. The the first um, lockdown, I um, I was doing I was filming sextortion, and we filmed it right up, like every single lunchtime from the last of the last week, we'd all be watching the television and seeing if we were going into lockdown or what the situation was. So there was just this anxiety throughout and um and there was this paranoia going through all the cast and crew like someone would have a sniffle and suddenly everyone's like oh, i've got covid and like we there was just this um anxiety and then we at the last two days we had to condense four days of filming into two days because we knew that we were going into lockdown 
And so how they kind of managed it was that they'd have one setup of action and I'd walk in and do one scene and while they were changing I'd walk across to the other side of the road and do a scene over here and it was back and forth and so that first two weeks of lockdown was pretty much just sleeping and catching up and like just working through all those um the high stress I think and then I got I got a few writing jobs after that so it was all worked out for me did you have a and then a dragon came and ate them all ending ready if in case you didn't get there um, we had, they were, uh, they didn't know if they could make it work. And then, um, uh, then I think you're allowed to have one person being filmed. So they had me doing some um, things just with my camera, just in case that they could edit it in to make the story make sense. But thankfully they didn't have to use it. And I felt terrible about that performance. So I'm glad it didn't happen. But they did have a contingency. Yeah. And so you're in Auckland? That's right. So what's the experience so of, of going into lockdown again? <clears throat> I feel like looking around, everyone's a lot more relaxed about it. <laughs> but yeah, I think people are just kind of taking in their stride and just a, a little bit more um, lackadaisical about keeping their bubbles tight and everything like that. But going through it a second time, I think because it, it was always, it felt, was going to be a lot shorter that people could manage it a bit more, I think. I think talking with people, the lay of the land was, um, yeah, people, people were frustrated, but everyone I talked to seems to understand that this is what we need to do. And it's not as hard as lockdown four. I remember when we came from lockdown four to lockdown three, there was mm. a whole lot of stuff we could do. So you can still do those things. You can still order Uber, that's right. Uber Eats. KFC, I know. KFC was the big, not not for me, but KFC was a big thing for everyone. And I can't remember when National Hug Day was. Was that when we came down from from four to three that we were allowed to have our parents around again and and, uh, we decided it should be National Hug Day? So you'll have to have another one. Yeah, exactly. Let's take the first of your music choices. Let's go with Brooke Fraser, Psychosocial. Why this one? Uh, like, it's strange. When, like, because Brooke Fraser, who would have thought that I would love a Brooke Fraser kind of song? But I remember hearing the song for the first time. I think it was the first song of her new album. And I just loved it straight away. Um, I love the kind of tone of it. And I, it took me a while, like I would sing along to it, not really understanding what it's about. But Psychosocial, I learned um, from the help of the internet that it's about um, your life on social media versus what is the reality of it. I'm like, that's quite a good message. I love it. I love your projection, but I don't love you. You perceive perfection, though it's just... Not true. I wanna escape into night that's you. You are my victim. You are my muse. Just one specimen.
you don't rise like I don't even know you. You don't look, you never reply, and you won't cause I'm a psychosocial. Okay, um, so this, what, what did you call it? Shared economy? No, economy. Shared economy. So the, the, so the shared economy. So at, at the one of the aspects of it is the that notion that we don't have to own stuff. We mm. want to we want to pay for the service. Mm. So there's lot you know we don't have to own the, a lawnmower. Our our community could own a lawnmower, and we could yeah. t- could share the use of that that lawnmower. Or if you already own a lawnmower, you could share it with your with your neighbours. And at the really pointy end of it, it gets to things like Uber, which brings yeah. in a whole pile of questions about you know are these people really workers, and is it just a front for for um, giving those those people terrible conditions and and avoiding responsibility and, and so on. So there's lots of questions in when people are designing the the infrastructure that makes those sorts of things work. Mm. There's a section of that, uh, the, the community, the human-computer interaction community, that comes at those sorts of things, not from a how can we make this software most efficient, but how can we really make sure that the software is improving social conditions and so on. Yeah. Um, Amazing. So, yeah, so do you think the lockdowns prompt, like, is uh, hurrying that process along or making people think about these kind of things a bit more? Uh, to some extent, it's certainly mm. showing the or putting technology to the fore. You know, as mm. as we stop or have to move from the 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 face to face interactions, it's showing the limitations of what mm. we can do via the the technology. So yeah, we can do an awful lot by by Zoom or whatever, but we miss out a whole pile of the the other bits of that that interaction. So if you take those same sorts of thoughts to how we do our banking or how we do shared economy in this case then mm-hmm. there's there's lots of space for us to get better at doing that sort of stuff yeah amazing it's a big rethink though eh? yeah well i mean especially with the that you know the, the notion that computing is is essentially designed by early 20s white male gr- computing graduates living in san jose mm. um, that's an awful lot of the world that they don't know about mm. So, yeah, working on those, on those sorts of things. So what have you been working on during the lockdown? Well, I worked on, I was a writer for hire for um, another production called Inside. So TV, uh, New Zealand On Air put a whole lot of money out for creatives to make things, um, specifically during lockdown. And um, so I was asked to work on this TV show that's kind of like a dark comedy kind of thriller-esque about um, a germaphobe living during the lockdown and um, and the measures she takes to um, kind of isolate herself. But also she's working with a she, – she's a um, tech person working on a um, app similar to Zoom, but we obviously have to make up our own one. So it's just about like what – 
and also like 5G and like so it's kind of um, taking all the things that were happening with 5G and all the conspiracy theories around that and putting it into a TV show and they were going to launch it on Wednesday last week and um, Prime was going to do it but then Prime just pulled it like within 24 hours because this new lockdown came along and they just thought just with how everything's going like it might not it's still too raw people are suffering (laughs) with things if we're doing something that's a dark comedy about a real situation in which people died we need a bit more distance so who knows if it will go ahead um and if it will see the light of day but like my emotional investment's not too strong in it because obviously it wasn't my idea i was just writer for hire so they were concerned that people might get upset despite the fact we're living in an episode of black mirror exactly exactly um which i said like i'm like of course just put it out there and stuff but i guess they'd have to deal with all the backlash of it. So, and I don't know if it was Prime who was the network or if it was New Zealand on air or any, who who made the call. Yeah. And you were, so you're working before lockdown, the first one, on sex torture, yeah. which has gone out over the, the last few weeks? Yeah, that's right. On demand? So that's um, on demand, on TVNZ On Demand, and I've been pushing that, plugging that one. And that was, I kind of did it, and then I think, about two episodes in, there were some um, scandals that actually happened um, a- happened in real life. Um, and then I had to, like, I-, I guess it's just networks just being too timid or too afraid. Like, um, I-, I got this call. I'm like, every time I kind of um, advertise or talk about it, I can't say that this is based on real life. I just have to say that this is a complete work of fiction. So... <laughs> you know that they were scared so there we go but I, I love the timing of it like I appreciated that that happened <laughs> is it getting well received um the first review came out really disappointed the producers so the producer like the review was basically the only good thing about it is Tom's performance <laughs> and so like but when I uh, with all reviews and things because obviously I've done things of the whole I've done so much work now and the breadth of reviews, you just can't take it seriously if it's really bad or if it's really good. All you really need from a review is one sentence that you can take. If there's one, like, from that one, we'd be like, Tom is really good on this. And then we'll take that sentence and put it on our blurb and stuff, even though the rest of the review, because no one's, reviews aren't really read, but they just kind of like the review. So so I'm seeing the good side in that. And then the other one, um, the other, uh, other reviews since then have been more positive yeah <laughs> and and are you getting feedback on how many people are watching it yes so um well how they put it is that the network's happy with the figures so um what that actually means i don't know i think like with because it's new zealand it's um on demand it's still even though i don't know many people that watch network television it's still the numbers are still different, and so like what works well for it, like they're really happy with it with on demand. But you know, compared it to other things on television, it's lower. But um, they, I rang up the producer guy, how's it rating? And they're like, yes, they're happy with it. So I'm like, Phew. bubble sprite of the forest of Orokanui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, nā mihi aroha nui, kia koutou, koutou ho. I hope you're all having the best day, beautiful superstars in your beloved universes. 
no really hope whatever you are and whatever is happening around you this journey that we're all on together is proving to be very rewarding very nurturing very nourishing and is illuminating for you more and more each day who you are triumph of nature's art perfect unique and here making things better thank you so as we all know i am in the process of a triumphant re-emergence back into the consensus reality paradigm of Alti Porti Stunedon. I'm feeling particularly lucky to be here today and having had this exciting adventure of healing and a stay at Stunedon Public Hospital, I'm supremely grateful for all the care and support that I have received and I hope that for all of you you are receiving the care and support that you need and you are having opportunities to give those around you care and support whatever species of life they may be whatever form they may be taking i hope that you're having that opportunity to give and receive love and support we're so good at it as a species of animal and of course for some of us if we are up north we are in level three and we're having to limit our behaviours wherever we are. Down here in Aote Stunedon, we are in level two. And having triumphantly re-emerged into a somewhat modified consensus reality, I've been so grateful to see all the care and all the effort that everyone around me is taking to really protect and support each other by observing these new ways of doing and being in this time of COVID-19 and something that I've been really grateful for and really aware of today is of course our visual sense and the joy of seeing as they say and obviously throughout my recovery process I've been noticing different things and particularly today my visual sense has been really noticeably heightened for me and this could be due to many things the fact that I'm re-emerging from the Womanshin cocoon and frolicking about out of the house but also I think just as part of the recovery process that my consciousness is shifting somewhat so I've been really enjoying the look of everything today really appreciating the colors and the textures the shapes the beauty of everything that surrounds me and feeling a connection within that sense of beauty and appreciation of course to all life that we are connected to in an infinite web and I've been loving hearing about all the various ways that the beautiful people that I know and love are caring for each other in this time really loving hearing from beautiful Leslie goddess wife of Sam of course and she has been making masks for whole whanau including for her beautiful granddaughter lucy and lucy's teddy bear really loving hearing about all this creativity coming to the fore to nurture and of course when we are able to see and appreciate the beauty around us and give back this is part of that wonderful process of reciprocity of which we are all here thanks to and we're all part of whether or not we consciously acknowledge that exchange it's always taking place also been really aware and feeling really really grateful for all the ways that I'm able to see 
how everybody's doing, keep in touch with everybody, of course, through all this wonderful technology that we have created as a species of animal. So I really hope that for you, however you are, consciously becoming more and more aware of the beauty that surrounds you, of which your own beauty is a part, that you're able to find reassurance and a sense of what is possible for you in this recognition. And I'll look forward to talking to you tomorrow. Thanks so much. Kakiti. Here I am just chillaxing in my kimono. Um, my hair looks an absolute fright, I'm afraid. I'm sorry, I haven't, you know, I'm not my usual polished self. Kaiora, my name is Simon Bridges, and I'm the leader of the New Zealand National Party of New Zealand. So 2020 is an election year, and as such, we're making various promises that we may or may not see through when we get elected. So to illuminate what the promises are I've done in acrostic poem. P packages. Um various packages that we are working on. I don't really get that term but Hi sweeties, it's me Pulipina. Here I am just chillaxing in my kimono. Um, well, what else can I do except for chillaxing my kimono on my couch or my settee? Because Cindy Ardern of course has got us all on house arrest. C commute. So you're not allowed to commute, but I have to because it's part of my resource. People are giving me a hard time because I've been driving from Tauranga to Wellington and back. But honestly, I'm sick and tired of, of, of chillaxing in a kimono. Let's be like Oz. That was the first thing I said. Oz, you know, Oz is doing it right. Labour's not perfect. You just gotta keep in mind guys, they they've still screwed up all the way along the way. So stop stop giving you such high ratings. Kiora, my name is Simon Bridges and I am the I was the leader of the New Zealand National Party of New Zealand. Hello, my name is Nikki Kay and I'm the new deputy leader of the National Party of New Zealand. So I'm worried that I'm backing a bit of a dud horse and dog mower. But then Tover O'Brien was like, are there any mouldy in your top cabinet? And we're like, whoop. Had even thought about that, whoops. Today's the day I'm announcing that I'm retiring from government. From parliament, from the National Party. Just a big F you to the next. Oh, I should I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say Kaiora, my name is Simon Bridges and I'm the elected MP for the constituency of Tiaronga. Well, 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 have I got a acrostic poem for you. T, tough boy. O, oops. D, didn't, I just forgot what I wrote. Didn't have what it takes. Didn't have what it takes. D, dropped out. And I got the phone call from saying that Muller was out. Your time has come, Collins. Time to take this one out, Crusher. Just sunk my, my talons in and held on and it all worked out for me. I'm very used to playing the long game. 
But then next thing I know, she's asking me whether I want to be DPD leader, and I thought about it for two seconds, and then I suddenly thought, yes, of course I do, this is what I've always wanted. So now I'm DPD. I had to put on my butch, my butch voice. I had to put on my butch voice, obviously, to make the announcement. But then, of course, as soon as the cameras stopped rolling, I was back to my usual self. There's been this community outbreak of coronavirus, and that they can't trace it back to anyone coming in from overseas. And I thought, oh, this is exactly what we've been hoping and praying for. I had the great pleasure of interviewing Ms. Judith Collins the other day, but she didn't live up to her moniker of Crusher Collins. In fact, listening back to the interview, I would say she was more Coy Collins, and I was Crusher Kim, or Kimmy, as I get my swarthy Mediterranean lovers to call me. Jack, my 10-year-old, he and I just, like, every day hope that there's another one of your characters <laughs> on video that we can watch because it's it just is the highlight of our entertainment in the day. And and you've got so many characters. Um, well, there's two things I'd like to know. How do you develop them and who's your favourite? Yeah, good call. Um uh, how I develop them, there's like multiple ways because um, I use Snapchat predominantly. So Snapchat would probably be about 90% of the videos that I do have different filters on Snapchat. And sometimes with that, um, you can uh, do it like a face swap where you take someone's face and put it on your own face. Or sometimes they kind of warp your features. And um, in that case, when it's warping your features, I kind of look at myself in the screen thinking who is this person so that those kind of characters is kind of dictated by um uh interacting with my face um other times when it's like people um specific people or i take or i'm like i want to do an older woman like this or something and sometimes like i take it from conversations i've had or conversations i've overheard or um sometimes me and my my friends like would laugh about a funny situation we'd have or um I'm really influenced by memes, like I love memes so much. And also um, things like if I'm struggling with ideas, sometimes I do things like I research like the 10 most hated things <laughs> or 100 things that everyone hates doing. And then I kind of go through those and I see if that kind of sparks any ideas. But there's also ideas, um, some of my characters have honestly been in there for years before I even did any character work. Like there's just things from my childhood are kind of, um, and, you know, they're just ingrained in there. I guess it's like this just roller decks of ideas. And the good thing about um, this format is you can have a very thin idea because I'm, I'm doing 90 seconds to two minutes and you can just take one idea and one smallest idea that would never dictate a whole story or anything like that and you can just fill out that time. And my favourite characters... I've got a character called Maz who's got a really big mouth and he's got um, beautiful eyes. And I just kind of like, I enjoy being him. So he was kind of um, inspired by, by the face first, but I was also, um, I, I just hung out with my niece who would have been about three at the time. And she would, she would have this kind of laugh. 
she would laugh like this and then that kind of inspired him and he's quite sweet like I quite enjoy being him because his demeanor is quite sweet and things um and I'm also like really attracted to nasty characters as well so if if uh there's a nasty kind of bent to a character I quite enjoy doing that because um I'm a people pleaser in real life so it's a good opportunity to do a character that could say things that I would never dream of saying. <laughs> so do you get in trouble with your friends and family when they see themselves? Um, it, my family are quite good at laughing and they uh, they know the game and that they kind of, I've never like, I've never cut too deep with my family. Like it's usually a loving look at them and things. Um, and with friends and stuff, it hasn't happened recently, but I have had friends that have been like, that's clearly about me. And then most of the time I'm like, no, it's not at all. But sometimes I'm like, it is. And I didn't even, I didn't even realize. Oh, didn't like basically, yeah, I'd taken their conversation and done verbatim a bit, character of that. I'm like, oh no, I'm so sorry. I'll take it down. And they're like, no, don't worry about it. It's interesting so, you talk about your the people from your childhood. I'm pretty sure, like from my childhood, I know the Sue, the South Canterbury Drama Society lady. Oh yes, yeah. That was completely. That was. Um, I wanted to do a costume. She's the costume designer yeah. for the um, mm-hmm. Timur. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to do a costume designer. Then I was like, um, where do I want to set it? And there's something around um, from Christchurch South, the kind of the quality of um, of the amateur dramatics is so much higher than anywhere else in the country. Like they really, the talent is there and they really go for it. So I was like, okay, I want that. And then I did it. And then, then I get this message from someone saying, that's me. And I'm like, <laughs> oh no. And then I also talked, I just drew out of ear out of my own uh, imagination that there's a boy called Marshall in the story, I think, who was quite heavy and then um, he's lost a whole lot of weight. And so she has to kind of redo, has to take in his, has taken his um, suit for guys and dolls. I don't even know what the show was. And then I get a message from someone called Marshall who was like <laughs> really upset saying, you're taking the piss out of me. Everyone's laughed because the video, because it was obviously shared around the dramatic society and everyone thought, I was like, I'm sorry, I didn't know it was you. I'm so sorry. And I managed to talk him off the ledge and and he accepted my apology, but he, it still stung. Do you get similar responses from the real people? Jerry Brownlee's voice, Kim Hill's Jerry for Brown- the others? Um, with Jerry Brownlee, I had just done his video and I was hanging out. I was invited to Paula Bennett's farewell and I met... Um, uh, the I don't know her official name, her official title, but she's kind of high up in the National Party, but she's not a politician. And she said to me that she was with him when he watched it for the first time. I was like, oh, no. And she said that he laughed a lot. So I was like, oh, thank goodness. Um, and obviously I've got a friendship with Paula. Um, but with Kim Hill, I was hoping that it would spurn a, a friendship with her because she's been in my life like my grandfather would listen to her religiously and stuff like that. Like I'm really hoping that she hasn't reached out and maybe I'll push things too far. Let's take the second of your music choices. Let's have Kay from the Tuts.
So we've seen lots of changes, lots of societal changes over the last mm. few months. What yes. do you think will stick and what do you hope will stick? Well, yeah, that's such a good question. What do I think will stick? I think the um, collective collectivism, I, I, I mean, I know there's kind of division and like there are people who um, are, are, you know, the conspiracy theorists, all that, all that kind of stuff, or the people that want to open up so that we can get the economy going and stuff like that. I realise that, but there's a shared sense of we have all experienced something together and I think we'll have that forever. Like every, it's it's like my friends who lived through the Christchurch earthquake and they they all have that shared experience and they can kind of talk about it and stuff. We've, as the world, we've had an experience together. So I think it's like a, in a sad way, a uniting experience. Um, I think that uh, probably another thing that will stay will be um, uh, uh, mass, um, uh, how, how do I say that? So it, the, the way that they've kind of had this response to syndrome and stuff like that will be if, if there is a nationwide tragedy or anything like that, the, it'll be a much more streamlined process of kind of dealing with it and working through it. And I think that will stay as well. Um, what do I want? What do I hope to? Well, Talking with um, maybe some more of my kind of more sensitive friends, um, it was it, it's the the pace of life changed, and that they could um, but approach life a bit easier. Like they weren't, I found they weren't so stressed. And I remember I felt the same way. I listened to a podcast um, of Louis Theroux just before um, in the last lockdown, and he was talking. Um, he put it really well and I kind of wish I had and he's in before lockdown he used to wake up in the morning and he would just be like there's all these things to do during, during the day and it's like all these hurdles that I have to overcome and I'm like I feel the same way even things that I really enjoyed it got to a stage where each day I'd wake up and be like oh what do I have to get through today even if I really loved it and I think um what was so beautiful especially about those first two weeks of lockdown was I'd wake up in the morning and thinking I actually don't actually have anything to do so <laughs> there was something nice about kind of revisiting workloads um what you can actually get in a meeting from a five minute zoom meeting rather than actually going and visiting someone and things like that so I hope a little bit of that sticks around as well but we all thought that in the first lockdown yeah. All of us have moments where we were walking around on the streets and it was empty and the, there were people playing in their gardens and so on and thinking, this bit of this isn't bad. Let's carry on doing this. Yes. And then we all rushed back to being busy. Yeah, I think maybe, yeah, so it's a, it's a lot harder to kind of break, I guess, break that kind of ingrained behaviour, societal behaviour. You're right. One thing that it has shown is that change is possible. It's going to be really hard work for a politician over the next few years that says they can't do something. Yeah, absolutely. I know, because we've got a good argument for that, against that. Exactly. Although we were talking to someone, forgotten who it was. Was it Trevor Mallard? Moira? Someone who said that actually it's, it's actually going to give leverage to the politicians because they'll be able to tell the civil service that stuff is possible. Yes. Yep, that was Trevor. Yeah, very wise Trevor. What do you think that the is the success of the the messaging that we've been getting from the government? 
Well, is, is, is this something behind it that, that's core that, that's worked? Something behind the way that they've done it? Yeah, or perhaps the message itself? I, I, I guess with maybe a smaller, I mean, I had a friend that was in Vietnam during lockdown, the beginning of lockdown, and I was like, because Vietnam's a real success story as well, apparently, and still kind of is. And she's like, "It's it works so well because they're so used to working. For, like, it's it's individualism versus kind of working for the society at large, and that's why America just doesn't kind of work. And I think um, maybe New Zealand being a bit smaller, we've been able to kind of control and get the message out there compared to somewhere like the States where you've got multiple people that you're listening to. I think maybe daily, um, the daily brief briefing was really good and helpful and, um, and clear messaging. But what, I don't know if I'm answering the question at all. I think we did it well. And I personally, and I got the information whether I was like actively tuning into the, briefing anyway and I'm like wondering how I managed to do that because obviously you have to communicate with all of these people and obviously everyone kind of taps in so it, sh- it kind of shows you that everyone's connected through social media or everyone's tapping into the news much more than I thought they would I'd assume that they'd be like because my parents were the same so I guess they my parents live in um, Matamata and they were kind of clued up on it all as well so I guess it's just everyone wanted to tune in i don't know i don't know if i've answered yeah. any questions do you think that do you think there's an element of us as a country mm. not taking ourselves too seriously we're able to just to to get in and, and do it and I, I'm, I'm thinking of we've seen in the last few days the the um nz hellhole response yes yes the yes. whole country has piled on well not yes. the whole country a significant chunk of twitter has has piled yes. on with with that and so it's that that ability for us to to have a laugh over it means we're not sort of taking it as seriously perhaps as the the americans i would agree with that and just from my own personal experience like when i do videos my own snapchat videos of taking the piss out of the situation that we all found ourselves in like everyone was willing to laugh at it and laugh at the situation and the amount of kind of positive reactions I got to it even like you know and maybe because because I follow American politics and stuff and I just see the tragedy of it like the bodies outside the hospital because there's no room for the bodies and things it's so tragic but we're still isolated like it just doesn't feel like that could happen in New Zealand of course it could but I just feel like uh not maybe a little bit of complacency but I don't think we would think that that kind of would happen to us. So we can laugh about it. What lessons do you think we can take from how we've responded to the pandemic for the mm. longer term questions, the intergenerational questions, perhaps climate change, social justice? What lesson? Well, um, that we can, we can work together and we can combat things. I think... Um, especially with climate change, because there's that image that went round of, you know, the waves 
did you see that one like there was the wave of the COVID, and then there was like famine and things like mm-hmm. that and then there was like climate climate change was the huge wave and so i think that's a really good way of putting it and i hadn't thought about that but the skills we've learned now could definitely be um which is working in unity would be so helpful when we with our next big challenges definitely i think that's a great way of putting it we've we've had a little trial <laughs> and now we're ready for the big challenges but those are just washing past us and we're not noticing the advantage that COVID had or the response to COVID mm. had is that we could say this has to be done by Tuesday. Yeah, I know. Um, uh, well, I don't know how we... Uh, I don't know how we get people, the powers that be or everyone, to be aware of it. Even with like all the countries burning and stuff, it didn't really do much, did it? We've talked to lots of people about the importance of maintaining a positive vision of the mm. the future, even when things are a bit bleak. Mm. What do you think is the role of, of humour and storytelling in that that positive vision? I think it's it's like the great leveller comedy. And so it's really good for um, leveling out politicians and things like that and just making them human and stuff. So they're much more kind of, they're not just ideas. You can kind of um, take the piss out of them and um, they kind of, it takes the threat out of these particular people. And I think it's the same with comedy about like world events or like climate change and things like that. And I think it's, um, it's, taking a little bit of the like if you're terrified of it you'll be less likely to you'll be too uh inert and too frightened to kind of challenge it but if you do have a bit of a sense of humor about it i don't know why but it makes that challenge easier to overcome i have some questions to end the show with what is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years me personally Anything you yes, like. Yes, of course. The biggest success I've had in the last couple of years. I think, well, for me personally, it was um, I've won the 48-hour film competition with a film that I really loved, and it wasn't very funny, but it was just a combination of all the artistry that I really like, and um, it's something that I was really passionate about, and that was called Pep Talk, and I really loved it. Can we find it? You can find it. Yes, you just put Pep Talk, P-E-P-T-O-K, into YouTube, I think, or into Google. We're writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. Right. It's our team of people doing good work. So you're on our team. What's the superpower that's got you into our mansion? (sighs) Thank you. My superpower would be to... um, have a finger on the pulse of what's happening in the collective and able to kind of distill it into uh, comedy. That that finger on the pulse came out comes out quite quickly. Like you managed to like last week, you you managed to grab onto the conspiracy theorists. I'm thinking yeah. about conspiracy. That's like floating around in my brain for tomorrow's video. Do you consider yourself to be an activist? Uh, no, I don't. Um, I started off being an activist and really fighting for it. Now I'm more like a, um, I'm much more interested in the common humanity of us all 
And so if I was an activist in any way and if I was to kind of talk with the bad people, it would be about <laughs> the bad people, would be about finding the humanity in them and try and encourage that so that they would end up doing good things. Do you avoid people that you you you, you don't like in, in terms of in terms of your, your parodies of them? Or is it people that you mm. do like and you what you're thinking that this is gonna have some influence? What's, I suppose what's the motivation of, of, of those parodies? Um, it's usually when I see hypocrisy. So obviously I'm left-leaning and often when um, pol- uh, left-leaning politicians say things, I find it agreeable and so and I agree with what they're saying. So I find it really hard to find an edge that I can um, take comedy out of. So it's more the right-leaning people that I've, I usually find little, um, something I can hypocrisies that I can kind of sink my teeth into. What motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Ego. Um, There's probably much more than I want it to be. Um, And also doing a good job. Like I really want to make good art. I've got a huge drive to make good art. What challenge are you looking forward to in the next couple of years? Uh, feature films, um, so making long-form stories that work, and it's very hard for me, but good challenge. That's a big step up from 90 minutes or more from 90 and, seconds or even from, yeah. well, it's not from 90 minutes, but it's a different set of 90 minutes. Yeah, it is. Yeah, really, yeah. To sustain it, it's, it's impossible. And, like, I was, um, like, there's, any film I see, even if it's has not worked at all, I'm like, it has still taken a lot of effort to make, and I really appreciate the effort that's gone into making this, bringing this to life. You've collaborated with people that have made that that difference. I'm thinking of the mm-hmm. Wellington Paranormal crowd. Yes. Do they say it's possible? Yeah. If this is a thing you're doing. Uh to make it long form stories. Yeah, yeah. Well, is it possible yeah. for you? You know, they're saying it's a, it's a thing that you'll be able to do. You. Yes, everyone's encouraging of it, and it's my own. Like, and I've got a great team around me and stuff that can help me. It's all just kind of rising to the challenge with maturity and wisdom. I think so. It's, it's my own personal kind of demons to overcome. Is there a Snapchat filter for maturity and wisdom? Oh, if only there was. <laughs> And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Uh, yes. Uh, term poison. Is, can I give any advice, any life advice? Yep, anything you like. Free hit. Great. Um, term poison into medicine. So I'm a practicing Buddhist, and our main kind of thing is everything that bad that happens to you is a can you can transform into being probably the best thing for you. And when I look back on my life, the hardest challenges and the biggest tragedies have all been the best possible thing that could have happened to me thank you very much for that Mawira um there's uh you know the disorder have you do you know the disorderata by Max Sermon uh no it's a beautiful poem it's been been on the back of every toilet door you've ever seen well, the last poem says, with all its sham drudgery and broken dreams, it is still a beautiful world. 
be cheerful and strive to be happy. And that I always think of you and your work because in some of the darkest times that we've been through over the last couple of years, especially here in the Eastern Bay with what happened at Fakari and the floods of Edgecombe and the rest of it, you've just been this constant source of joy, really. And thank you for that. Thanks for making thanks for giving us reason to laugh and smile at ourselves and smile at the people we know and it's a pretty special gift you give the world oh thank you that's so beautiful and i cannot wait for your film i'm so excited thank you very much <laughs> thank you very much we shall go out to lady six like water to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We broadcast on Otago Access Radio every weekday afternoon at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. Find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, with Mawera Karatai in Fakatani, and in Auckland, Tom Sainsbury. We hope you enjoyed the show. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.